magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Hello. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. So, yeah, go ahead. So we're going to be talking to Jack Chanick today, and I'm really excited because this is the guy who wrote that book that I wasn't able to mention earlier called it's actually called kabbalah for wiccans and it helped me finally understand kabbalah so i'm looking forward wow. to talking to him today and it's the wiccan i didn't get to read much of it but though it's the wiccan perspective not the jewish um, perspective right i mean it's taken from the jewish yeah but it's yeah yes um (laughs) anyway uh so if this is your first time listening this is when we talk about our week base and see it we check in with the cards that we picked last week to see if they pertain to this week and it's always a surprise to me what we picked last week (laughs) it's like the moment i read it it leaves my brain (laughs) so then i'm like what happened so last week (laughs) you drew a divine physician from oh, the Akashic right. Tarot, which had a picture of Jesus on it, which you did not realize when mm-hmm. you sent me the picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, I drew Yarrow, which is protective shield from my Magic of Flowers Oracle. Mm. So, so I would say that the Jewish part of me didn't recognize Jesus, but um, <laughs> my mother loved Jesus. So... He was a big figure in our lives. Interesting. I mean, just like as a loving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One time when um, she was, listeners of the show know she was not the most supportive person. <laughs> she just kind of almost didn't know how. I wonder if it's like the shadow part of the Capricorn moon or something. But um, at one time I was new in seventh grade. We moved yet again. And I was like, she dropped me off at school early and I was just standing there alone. I guess I must have looked really sad and she just looked at me and she goes like she didn't know what to do and she just goes jesus loves you oh and i was like okay like we <laughs> didn't even like it was so weird <laughs> it wasn't like we were like like she was like a real jesus person otherwise it was like she didn't know how to do it i mean i yeah. guess that's a good example of maybe her trying to do her best. Like, she just felt sad for me, but didn't have any, like, nurturing skills to be like, I love you, maybe. (laughs) Instead, it was she She went to Jesus. Yeah, she she was trying. (laughs) I'm here for you. I see you. No. Yeah. But I I did love Jesus. I do love Jesus. He's a great guy. Yeah, I get good vibes from Jesus. Oh my God, that's the quote of this episode. I don't care what else happens. <laughs> I get good vibes from Jesus. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. Um, good guy. So, yeah, but so tell us how you've been doing. I know you've been having some oh, yeah. rough patches with the well, eclipse season. Yeah, so eclipse season has been very intense for me. Um, What I would say, I was describing this to you before the pod, but I'll just say it again quickly. Basically, what I feel like is um, I've had so many realizations that have really stuck with me, like in 
it feels like in a very substantial way. I mean, who knows, but it feels very permanent. Like, oh, just like things that were bought would bother me before that I would worry about just fell away. It's just like, oh, I don't even care about that anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's a result of going really deep into the feelings of it before. So it, what I was telling you before, it was like, it feels like I go, I'm going like deep underwater where it's like, ooh, this feels murky. I don't know what's happening. And then shoo, I get put up to the, or like I rise to the, I rise to <laughs> <laughs> above the water. And it's like, oh my God, I feel so light and expansive. And and then I go deep again. And part of this is because I do think I'm I'm consciously working with it, you know, so like, um, that's why I feel like I've been pretty able to rise with it and integrate it and expand into it because I'm doing a lot of energy healing techniques and, and feeling it and self-compassion, all that. But when I have been deep in it, it's been, it's been a little rough, but the outcome feels good. Well, so like when you talk about going deep, hmm. Or feeling weird. Like, can you describe those feelings? Yeah, well, I think for me, the, what was happening was I was merging with feeling like invalidation or like, let's say this, I was working last week with feeling really, I realized like how responsible I felt for everybody. I consciously was like, I realize that I still have some responsible stuff going on here. Like, I still feel responsible for people when I shouldn't. Like, um, you know, if someone's going through something, I'm like, oh, God, I, I really want them to feel better. Like, too much. <laughs> like, there, was, there wasn't enough where it was like, I knew consciously it's their stuff and not mine. But it still, it was like, oh, no, I really want them to feel like, oh, this is my job. Yeah. This is still kind of, I still was like, this is still feels like it's kind of my job. So I was saying that to the universe, like, I really want to heal that. And then what happened was I got caught in the undertow of what went with that, which was growing up, I was very um, made to feel less than if I wasn't on the same page with my mom. Like I was made to feel like I was worthless. I was not, I was a failure. I was, you know, really not doing my job if I wasn't pleasing her and showing up in the world with certain roles and behaving like those roles. So that, that feeling of like really heavy, like, oh, you're not enough. You're bad. You're, yeah. you're not good was yeah. like in my heart chakra. And it got real sticky. Like it was hard to separate from oh, it. Oh, okay. So as I was able to separate from it, um, you know, with, just constantly coming back to my inner parent constantly like like feeling it but also like just making more room oh I did a lot of like talking like parts work inner child work where I was like okay inner child you step over here I'm gonna talk to the part that thinks I'm responsible for everything okay and so yeah. that was one good way to get separation. And cool. then I realized, like, I was also feeling responsible for my dad. I mean, there were so many layers. Like, I oh. felt like my dad my dad felt responsible for my mom, and then I felt responsible for my dad. Yeah. I mean, it was just so modeled in my home that no, like, it was always 
it was never my job to just be me and right. love being me and being celebrated, you know, like Jesus loves me, but who else? And really, <laughs> nobody really said Jesus loves me except for that one time. So <laughs> I figured that out on my own. Um, and not just Jesus, but my guides, you know. Um, but anyway, so that's the kind of thing. I hope that makes sense. Whereas like, yeah. then when I rose up, but when I finally was like, oh my God, I get it. I was like able to release things I didn't even realize were bothering me, like old friendships that hadn't worked out that mm. like I blame myself for. I was like, oh, that's totally not my fault at all. Yeah. Like I just like, you know, peace and love to them. But like, I'm fine. Like, you know, so I think that's kind of been a theme this year, but I realized like it was still hanging on. So yeah. that's just one example. Okay. Yeah. When you're talking about that, I feel like I maybe have had some of that, but I mostly have been feeling good, as I also mentioned to you before the podcast, even though I know yeah. eclipse season, Mercury retrograde has been rough on a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, I sometimes do go through challenges, but <laughs> this particular time I've been feeling pretty great. That's and, great. But yeah, but I can see that like a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling sometimes there was some so there was some stuff coming up, like vulnerability stuff, or feeling like that. Sometimes in the past, I have gotten, especially when books, new books are coming out. Yeah. I mentioned this, like this feeling of like, like it, the first time it happened, I was like, oh, this is the dumbest book. Like I'm gonna be the laughing stock. And then mm. now it's more like, oh no, no, everyone, everyone doesn't like me, and they all know why. But I don't know why. Like, it's yeah. that that kind of feeling. And I did have that a couple weeks ago. But then I, like, stopped caring. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I resonated with you when you were saying, like, you were able to let go of that. It was this, like, hey, what if I just don't even care? Like, there are going to be people who like me and people who don't and people who like my books and people who don't. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. if I just stop caring? That's so great. I, I have had that. I do think because our moms were similar in their narcissism, there was always this kind of thing, at least for, so maybe this is why, because what you just said is everybody knows, you know, why they don't like me. I relate to that too, like, like, but for me, it was more muddy, like, uh just I wasn't like really clear. It was just like, oh God, I don't, I just, I'm not likable. Mm-hmm. That that's the kind of feeling it was. Yeah, yeah, I have that sometimes too. It feels like though it's a weird thing with the last few books. It seems like it's this, and then I have to logically tell myself that is not. It doesn't even seem possible. Like really, like every yeah. all <laughs> of my readers and like other authors, like that. That's the feeling. Like they all have gotten together and had some meeting where they all talked about how wrong and bad I am. (laughs) This is your mother. That's what it is. That's what it comes from. Really? It's saying, oh, I think so. Okay, I don't want to project you. I mean, but it just, it feels very like the narcissism link. Like, because for my mother, it's like she just would show up not liking me. Oh, yeah, no, this, you're right. This makes total sense. Because it would be, for me, it was out of the blue. Yeah, it was like. Yes. It would be out of the blue and then it would be like, oh, it. Over and over, like every yes. few weeks or so, it would yeah. be like, oh, how did I fuck up again? Like, yes. again, I'm a yes. terrible daughter. And I thought yes. I was doing a pretty good job. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, yeah, it would just be like, I mean, I always thought I was doing a bad job at it. And that I just, there was something wrong with me. And that's why she was the way she was. But then all of a sudden, it would be like, 
why do you feel why aren't you happy i don't Mm. get it look at you you're so talented and it was so confusing because it was like but you told me but wait i'm never good enough for you but then it was such a mind fuck because then it was like but what so then i did think it was all my fault because it's like well she's supportive so what a mess anyway the good news is that (laughs) we both seem to have healed a lot from it yeah yeah i do think that my friendship with you has really helped me a lot just to kind of since like that was an example i was like oh it is my mom and you're like yeah and then i'm like oh yeah that's (laughs) that makes total sense (laughs) well to just in my defense i didn't say yes i did say maybe i'm projecting I don't want to tell you how you're feeling because what if it is, you know, you check in with you about it. Yeah, no, I resonated with it. Okay, yeah. Um, I do, wait, there was one other thing. Oh, well, it's going to be part of the energy report this this week, um, so I won't go into it. But it's just along those lines of, it's funny, this eclipse, I mean, it's over now, I guess, but the hanging on energy stuff, I've been, like, really... um, Actually, this is a good segue into our um, promotional part, <laughs> because what I'm going to be doing um, this week, it's pre-recorded, so it's not a live thing, but it's like a one hour, I think, I haven't recorded it yet, workshop where I'm, it's assimilation and manifestation from eclipse season. So one of the things is working on really energetically clearing out what has what you've moved through or if Mm -hmm. it's like still hanging on a little bit working with that so and I'm going to be teaching some tools for like clearing out from an ancestral level clearing out from your grounding so you're really in this present time energy in earth getting that information um because the earth is changing too like oh yeah you know the earth is energy too you know like and it really is changing so like as you change it's so helpful to be in present time and be getting that information from the earth into you so clearing we're going to be looking at how do you look at if you're not in present time how can we clear out stuff that isn't resonating i think doing all of that stuff really helped me to assimilate it in a big way so that it's not just like okay i got through that (laughs) you know but like oh yeah i got through that and i feel this deeply yeah cool Um, yeah oh and then the next part will be the funner part maybe (laughs) we'll be going into the light getting in a little light vehicle bringing in um on on that level what you want to be manifesting at this time and if you don't know like oh i'm not working on a manifestation still like having your higher purpose um being aligned with it so we're gonna be picking like the essences of what you want to create and then bringing them in this light vehicle assimilating them into your body and then bringing it down into the ground a lot of different tools stuff like that. i love it what so what's this called well um great question uh, something like assimilation and manifestation eclipse that's what it is eclipse assimilation and manifestation nice and it's not up there yet but you can find it on my website highestlighthealing.com actually it will be up today if you're listening to this monday yes um so yeah you can do that and last week i mentioned that insight timer i was going to be on there 
Um, but I wasn't yet. <laughs> so oh, you were technical difficulties. Mercury retrograde, man. Ooh, in eclipse season. My goodness. Um, but I've actually had a pretty good Mercury retrograde, except the last like couple of days. And I'm like, oh, everything is just slower. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's up there now. I'm 99 percent sure. Oh, nice. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what I have to say. Great. So uh, I want to mention that my Good Vibe Tribe Online School of Magical Arts, we're reopening the doors for a few days, for five days, something like that, starting on June 23rd. So you can go to TessWhitehurst.com and click on Good Vibe Tribe, and then you can learn about it. You can watch videos about it, and you can get on the waiting list there so that you'll know as soon as I open the doors. And you can try it for free for a month that's a great deal. Cancel anytime and almost is... too good a deal. <laughs> and a <laughs> month is enough time to do four web chats. Yeah. You do web chats every Tuesday, and then you'll have access to some online workshops of mine. So um, I'd love for you to check it out. I love it. I really love the Good I mean, Tribe. What is not to love about it? It's yeah. really great. I mean, there's yeah. so yeah, it's really great and wonderful people in it. The community is cool. Oh, and we're planning a retreat again. Ooh. It's been since 2018 that we've done a retreat. Wow. It, it, it's in the Rocky Mountains of um, Colorado, not far from where I live, and like really close to Rocky Mountain National Park. And it's really fun, fun retreat. That sounds amazing. That'll be next year. Next year. Yep. Um. Also, I did notice that my chakra clearing meditation is up there, but I actually recorded a new inner child healing meditation that's going to be on my inside timer. So if you want to go oh, cool. over there, you can see it. All right. And you can also support us by leaving us a um, review. We really love them just on their own, but it also helps people find us. And we really appreciate it. Yeah. If you have a minute. We would love it. And if you've already reviewed us, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Um, and Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say you can ask us a question, but what were you going to say? I was going to say you can sign up for our newsletter. Oh, you sure can at magicmondaypodcast.com. <laughs> yep. And um, you can ask us a question there, too. And you can also call us at... 828-333-7181. I think okay. I'm going to be able to do that myself one day. Oh. I think I'm, I'm memorizing it. Oh. Finally. With, with, but can you do it like that? I No. Not, <laughs> okay. not quite like that. <laughs> um, and you can also ask, ask a question on our uh, website. Magic Monday podcast. So speaking of questions, we're going to answer a couple before our wonderful guest. So the first question, so what I want to say is both these questions are very similar. Um, so we're going to, I'll read them both. One is shorter and, um, and then we'll respond to both of them with the same. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
So this is from Stacy, who said, hello, love the pod. I would love some advice about rituals slash energy practices to help me stop worrying about my brother. He is in a transitional period of his life and perhaps depending a little too much on substances to help him feel okay. I find myself worrying about him a lot. I want to be able to love him and support him without the strong worry slash desire to control him. Everything, anything I've tried to separate my energy from his feels like I'm withdrawing all my energy from his, including my love and support. If you two have any advice on how to tease apart the loving slash supporting thread from the worrying slash controlling thread, I would so appreciate it. Thanks so much. Do you think I should answer this first? I kind of want to, but yeah, we'll, let's do know, it. Let's and do then this maybe one. we can talk about that both of them together after. Okay, you do you want to go first? Or do you well, want? yeah, I just want to say that. Um, that is seems like it would be natural to worry about your brother. I feel like don't judge yourself. Maybe I, I feel like I have noticed that sometimes like when I think about um, missing my family, this is not the same thing, but I yeah. do realize that when I feel that feeling, it's important for me to just let it be there. Like, oh, I miss my family and that is painful. Or mm. even like my cats that are dead, like oh, I miss yeah. my cats and it hurts. It just yeah. hurts. It's okay. It just hurts. Mm. So like worrying about your family, like a family member like that, it will probably hurt. It's yeah. like you have a reason to worry. And then I, I also want to recommend working with Archangel Michael because Archangel Michael can help cut the cord, the unhealthy cords and help protect your energy and then just send pure divine protective healing light to your brother too. So that's yeah. my spiritual recommendation. And that current of energy, when you invoke Archangel Michael, it's like, I think of angels as like a current of mm. energy or like a pillar of energy. It will help you to understand those dynamics. It will help, it will like put them in place so you can sense them and feel them. That's something I love about angel work is that it's like, here's the dynamic and then mm. you feel it when you invoke it. Yeah. I do want to say I think you're extra talented at that, deciphering stuff like that. Like, I feel like it takes very little. For instance, when I give you healings, you're like, oh, I understand everything and it's all assimilated. It's like uh, so rare. Interesting. Not that I do think Archangel Michael is great, but I don't know that everybody will have that uh, experience. Oh, you they feel may like I'm to- just like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know that everybody's like that. Uh, interesting. Okay. But but you can feel into it for sure. Um, what I would say is that, okay, <laughs> both in the energy healing perspective and just like being a person perspective, as much as you can coming from a place of neutrality, let's say from the energy when you're when you're trying to cut cords or whatever it sounds like you're merging with him and there's like a real either or picture here like it's like either I'm completely enmeshed and I have to control everything or I cut off it's like Mm -hmm. there's no in between it's very black and white it's a dichotomy picture that like I either have to help people completely or or have such boundaries that I can't feel anything so I think that's something to look at um, for yourself um, and for other people. I'm sure they relate to that, Um, that it's really I love what you said, because it's about like you can love somebody and care for them and know like that doesn't mean that you're totally responsible for them. Yeah. 
Um, so I would also say that that responsible stuff that we talked about earlier. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's like, yeah. So I would say also look within yourself, explore, well, why do I feel responsible for this person so much? Or this person, my brother. I mean, obviously you do because you love him, but there's a difference between loving, like you said, like, oh, I love somebody. Again, I love that example of missing them because that's really a neutral place. Like you're missing your family and you're allowing your feelings, but you're, that's the kind of place you want to get to with your brother. Like, I love him. I want the best for him. But all of this responsibility stuff, that's mine. So how can I love myself through this? How, what is coming up for me with that? What, you know, did we have a relationship early on where I was taking care of him all the time? Or, you know, what is the dynamic that I feel so responsible for him? Yeah. So I think the more you heal that responsibility stuff, the less you'll feel like you have to do an either or situation. Yeah. Um, and as far as the energy healing, I think that's why the practices aren't working for you if you are engaging in those practices because you're getting caught up in that dichotomy situation. And um, it's really the core thing is the responsibility. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I just want to mention, too, that I feel like that is an interesting and helpful thing about boundaries. I think boundaries, it, the initial thought could be a boundary means I'm separating my energy from someone. Yes. But I actually feel like healthy boundaries can help you connect more and that part of a healthy boundary is recognizing, like, this is his free will. These are his choices. They are not my choices. I don't like recognizing where you your power ends with the choices that he's making. But that doesn't mean like once you have those strong boundaries, which you can help to like solidify those by daily clearing and shielding meditations and just kind of tuning into like, oh, yeah, I, I can feel that I want to change these choices he's making, but they're not my choices. Like you just kind of separate them out. Then when you call on divine light, or divine help, or Archangel Michael, it's like this sense of just whatever divine energy will support him, whatever he will receive, whatever his free will is allowing mm -hmm. him to receive. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to know what it all looks like. You just like no. call yeah. on, invoke that divine energy. Yeah. And, you know, Al-Anon is great. I don't know if you've ever looked into that, but Al-Anon is exactly for this kind of thing um, where, the where you know, people who are using, it's really hard. There's a, especially when you're in their family, like, yeah. That's why this is so hard. Like, I really want to validate that. Yes. It's very, very sticky. Yes. Very sticky energy. It's very sticky yes, <laughs> to, to totally. clear out your own cords with family members who are using. Because yes. they pull out a lot. I mean, maybe not even consciously, but energetically, he may be calling out to you for support. Then that little part of you, your inner child, might be like, oh, God, I have to help my brother. And then it's like, oh, I can't help my brother. I'm going to slam the door, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it gets confusing, like what's helping yes. and what's not. It's, yes, totally, yes. I'm glad that you're saying that. So yeah. the book, if you haven't read it yet, Codependent No More by oh, Melanie yeah, Baby, best. that really helped me to understand, clearly see those dynamics of like, oh, here's – you know, what I can change about other people, you know, here's what it's I can't nothing. change, more like <laughs> what I can't change. But like, it just helps you to see clearly like what's helpful and what's not. 
Yeah, it helps you see clearly that you truly can't control people, even yeah. though people sometimes expect you to. Again, coming back to my family, they expected me to meet their needs. And so yeah. then it's like, well, but what? Um, <laughs> it's actually not my job. Yeah. So and also boundaries. Great. Yeah. Exploring um, this idea of of healthy boundaries. I uh, Yeah, I literally like what you said about healthy boundaries means that actually you can show up more for people. I know what I was going to say is it reminds me of what I feel I've said before when um, around self-compassion, which is like, you actually can't really have compassion and empathy for somebody if you're merged with them and you're mm, identifying yeah. with them. Yeah. It's you just can't really show up for them. It also reminds me of last week when I talked about my daughter holding my hand and just being there with me. And it was just the perfect example of not merging and not trying to take care of me, but just holding space. Yeah. Like that. And that was so healing for me. Again, not that it's – and if somebody's using, I mean, they're not going to – you know, it's hard for them to be present. But they can still feel like when it's not actually about – them it's about you needing to feel okay you know for them Mm -hmm. to be okay so that's your stuff to look at and and sending you so much love because that really is so challenging and hard and any support you can get with that like i said alanon's a great resource okay so now we're going to go to katie Again, similar question, but um, hi, Natasha and Tess. I love the podcast. Really appreciate your insights and all the great information and wisdom y'all share with the community. I hear y'all talk a lot about inner child healing. I've started working to heal my own inner child, and it's been an incredibly eye-opening and comforting experience. My question is this. Is it possible to try and use the same techniques to connect with somebody else's inner child and provide an external source of support and comfort? In this case, I am very close with the person I would want to work with. It's my mom. She and I are and have always been very close and have an excellent supportive and loving relationship. At this time in my life, I'm coming to realize how many of the things with which she struggles probably originated during experiences from her childhood. Although she participates in traditional therapy, I don't think she'd really be willing to work with her own inner child as she does not, to my knowledge, engage in any form of spiritual inner practice. Besides trying to get her to engage in these techniques on her own, is there anything else I can do to provide energetic support to her and her child through my own practice? Um, so, uh, yeah, a couple of things. One, inner child healing, you know, it's actually was created by or found whatever by Jung, who Carl Jung, who is a, was like a for founding father of therapy, of psychotherapy. So it's not. It is a spiritual practice, in my opinion, but it's not, you don't have, that doesn't have to be a turnoff for her. Um, There's a lot of book, there's also, um, what does it stand for? IFS, Internal Family Systems, which is very similar to this work, um, which is, again, therapy. So, um, yeah, it doesn't, it's not like, like, woo woo, if she doesn't like that kind of thing. I don't know why anyone wouldn't, but she doesn't like changing her life through energy. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you may want to like, there's a book on inner child healing called Inner Bonding by Margaret Paul. Um, you could, you could, you know, tell her about that. 
So obviously as an inner child healing teacher, I just want to start there like, hey, it's not, it doesn't have to be beyond anyone who isn't a spiritual person. I mean, actually, if they were coming to me, it probably would because I use a lot of those techniques. But but in general, they don't have to. They could read those books. And yeah, it could be like more based. of a traditional That's right. mainstream therapy practice. That's right. Um, so other than that, it is, would you agree it's a similar um, answer? Yeah, like noticing where you, you know, what you can control and what you can't with someone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and really actually tuning into your own inner child and being like, well, what what's going on here? Why do you really, why do you want to um, help her so much? Is it just because you love her and you're feeling, you know, you'll know the difference between holding space. Like, again, I talked about with my daughter where she just held space for me. Like just wanting to be there with love and, oh, God, I want to like, oh, no, I want to take all this away, you know, because there's lessons for her to learn there. And it it is frustrating. Again, just want to validate that. It's frustrating when you see the lessons laid out in front of somebody and they're ignoring them or they're not paying attention, you know, whatever. You want to be like, hey, hey, look over here. Do you see you could fix all this? (laughs) (laughs) Everything would be fine if you just there's nice bow over here. You could tie it. Um, but that's, you know, their path. And so it's a great opportunity to look at what's coming up in you. What What is the trigger here that's coming up in me that I want so much to, to heal this person? Yeah. All right. Okay. So now it's time for our guest. Yes. Jack Chanick is the author of the forthcoming book, Kabbalah for Wiccans, which comes out in December of 2021. It's a Llewellyn book. He is a third degree Gardnerian priest, a Slavic polytheist, and a tarot reader. Outside of paganism and the occult, he is an academic philosopher working on a PhD in the history of philosophy, specializing in Immanuel Kant's philosophy of science. Here's our interview with Jeff Chanick. Okay, so Jack, our listeners know I have talked already talked quite a bit about your book that comes out in December because it finally, Kabbalah for Wiccans, it finally helped me. It's like I had tried really hard to understand Kabbalah for like a long time and read a lot of books. <laughs> and then finally, you sent me your um, Word document of your book and I read it and I got it. It was like a light bulb. So maybe you could start by talking about just like orient our listeners if they don't know about the Kabbalah or maybe kind of explain your the way that you see Kabbalah. Yeah, absolutely. So Kabbalah originates in Jewish mysticism, right? Um, it's It starts out as a form of Jewish mysticism that emerges in Iberia in sort of the medieval period in 12th, 13th century. And th- Kabbalah still exists in Judaism to this day. There is a living tradition of Jewish mysticism based on Kabbalah. Um, but what happened was sort of as soon as Kabbalah emerged in Southern Europe, uh, the dominant Christian culture of the time decided to sort of take it and incorporate it and, and, you know, steal the bits that they liked and integrate it into Christian mysticism. And then from there, it worked its way into high renaissance magic cornelius agrippa talks about it and eventually a form of kabbalah ends up in 
uh, 19th century secret societies, and particularly the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and then later uh, Alistair Crowley's Ordo Templi Orientis, the OTO. Um, and so this form of mysticism and of high magic works its way into Western occultism uh, and magic more broadly from this original point in Judaism. And one thing that I think um, is important to just sort of notice right out the gate uh, when we start to talk about Kabbalah as magical practitioners is that there are multiple different things that are called Kabbalah in the modern world, right? There's the, the Kabbalah that we as magical practitioners are interested in. And then there's Jewish Kabbalah, which is still alive today and which is part of an esoteric tradition of Judaism that for those of us who aren't Jewish, myself included, uh, is kind of closed off. Um, and you know, I, I think it's really important to understand that what we're doing with magical Kabbalah isn't in some ways the same as what happens in Jewish Kabbalah. There are a lot of things in Jewish Kabbalah that have to do with very specific Jewish theological tenets, things about the relationship of the Jewish people to God. Mm -hmm. um, and those things just didn't work their way into Western magical Kabbalah. So Kabbalah, as we get it in the Western magical tradition, is largely designed around a symbol, a glyph called the tree of life, which is so many things at once. It's a map of the universe. It's a map of the human soul. It has parts that correspond to the different parts of the human body. It can be understood as sort of a map of different sort of energetic levels uh, or fields or planes of existence. You know, there, there are a billion different ways of interpreting it. But the idea that particularly the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn introduced was that this one symbol could be used as sort of a keystone that brings together all the other various strands of occultism that they were practicing. So you have this one symbol that sort of contains within it descriptions of astrological correspondences and color magic and elemental magic and all sorts of different kinds of magic that are brought together and synthesized into one thing, um, which personally, you know, I'm biased, but I think is really, really fascinating. Me too. Yeah, that sounds and amazing. Yeah, and, and, you know, part of this is there's a historical project that was going on with Victorian occultists where they wanted a grand unifying theory of everything. Yeah. And Kabbalah sort of gave them the point of entry to try to do that. Um, and so you have them sort of connecting Enochian magic to the key of Solomon to, you know, tarot cards, and all of it comes together under the umbrella of the Kabbalah. Yeah, astrology, archange archangels, like I mean, it's yeah, and and human behavior and like the spiritual experience. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I just feel the need to say I am Jewish because you said those of us who aren't, and I just didn't want anyone to think I'm not saying I'm not Jewish. <laughs> yeah, and also she's been learning about uh, like mystic Jewish mysticism lately, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to. I wasn't raised that way, so I feel kind of like. Where do I start? But do you know? I mean, you probably do know this. Like, so the Jewish Kabbalah, the more traditional, they still use the tree of life in that. Yeah. They just incorporate other. Yes. More Sorry, I'm nodding and I'm forgetting that this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. The, the tree of life does also exist in Jewish Kabbalah. 
There are some structural differences. You'll see different versions of the Tree of Life sometimes mm -hmm. in Jewish Kabbalah. And Western esoteric Kabbalah uh, will place more emphasis on certain parts of it. So, so you'll see a lot of emphasis on things like the planetary correspondences mm -hmm. or the color correspondences, sort of the, the magical use of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Jewish Kabbalah, there's a lot more to Jewish Kabbalah than just the Tree of Life. Um, the Tree of Life is less significant relative to the rest of the body of knowledge. Um, and even the tree itself, uh, there, are, there are features of it that will be more or less emphasized relative to the kind of Kabbalah that's practiced in, in Western magic. I see. So to kind of conceptualize this for our listeners, like I think it's interesting to talk about the way that the tree of life is a way of seeing the way that divine light, like undifferentiated potentiality starts to become individuated. <laughs> is that the yeah. right word? <laughs> starts yeah. to like shine through and come down and then create all the millions of things that we see and experience. This is a way to kind of like explain what, yeah. one no, of the exactly. ways that so we look at it. So the idea, the basic idea underlying the tree of life is that you have the divine source of everything, whatever that might be. And then you have the world that we live in. And how do we get from point A to point B? What's the relationship there? And the tree of life describes this sort of outpouring of divine energy, this emanation of the divine from the original source down through various manifestations and permutations until we get to the world that we inhabit now. And so it maps the, the pools of divine energy that form in sort of connecting us to the source that sits at the top of it all. And so the, these pools, there, there are 10 of them described on the Tree of Life. They're called spirot, um, which means spheres. And they each have sort of a particular character to them. So at the very bottom of the tree of life, you have Malchut, which is the, the world that we live in, sort of the divine presence in the physical world. Mm. But then you have sort of a, a sphera that's associated with dreams and the unconscious and sort of abstract archetypal symbolism. And the Akashic and records. And exactly. that's like the spell work, the place where we do spells and rituals. Yeah. Exactly. That's in the second one. So low dense. That would be it's it's so difficult to do this without a visual reference. Yeah, yeah. That's the the second one up from the bottom. Oh wow! I would have thought that would be higher. You you would think so, right? And so this is a really interesting thing that happens: is the farther up the tree of life you go, the more sort of big and cosmic and universal you get. Hmm. So we start down with the physical concrete world, and then as we move up, we have or dreams and subconscious, and then we move up to sort of the, the big relationship between the individual self and sort of other people, love, community, mm. um, you know, relationships, family obligations, and things like that. And then we move up even further, and we get abstract moral principles, things like mercy or justice. Mm. And we move up even further, and we get sort of the, the division of energy and matter this this sort of raw stuff that forms the universe mm. and it, you get all the way to the top of it and you have that great undifferentiated divine potential that's sort of everything and nothing all at once 
Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing because I feel like that is part of, I think the people who are drawn to the magical spiritual path, at least I feel like I, and I feel like you guys too, <laughs> that we, uh, we, we crave that. It's like, we sense that there's some kind of map or some kind of like, mm. some kind of knowledge or understanding of divine light that if we had it, we would have more, somewhat more clarity. We maybe won't understand everything, but we'll have somewhat more power, somewhat more clarity. And I feel like the tree of life, it's just mind-bogglingly beautiful when you start to learn all that. I mean, it's so complex too. Every <laughs> path between all the sephirot are, mm -hmm. is its own thing. So that's like, and they correspond with the major arcane of the tarot. I mean, it's, this is really fascinating yeah, no, it's, stuff. It's extraordinary. And, and one, I think one really important thing, right, is, um, you know, the divine is so much bigger than all of us. It's yeah. so much bigger than our ability to comprehend. Yeah. And the tree of life is not the only way to map the divine. It's not even necessarily the best way, but it's a really good way. Mm -hmm. And you get other sorts of maps of the sort. Right? You think about like in Norse mythology, you have the world tree and the nine realms on the world tree. And there's a similar sort of description of the relationship between the world that we inhabit and the world of the divine and the world of, you know, the underworld. Um, and there are different ways of sort of reaching for that, that bigger divine truth that we're all trying to grasp at. And one thing that I personally just love about Kabbalah and about the tree of life um, is that I find it's a really beautiful, elegant way of doing that. And it mm -hmm. takes this thing that is so vast and incomprehensible and helps us to arrange it in a way that we can we can reach it through meditation, through yeah. ritual, through magic. And that's so, beautiful. Yeah. In your book, do you talk about that, like how to reach it through these practices? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. So the main reason I ended up writing this book is that I've been a Kabbalah apologist for years now. Mm. Um, and I would talk Why to people. Why did you have to apologize? <laughs> well, because you talk to people who are either in, you know, neo-paganism or the new age movement, but people who aren't in this very sort of highly ceremonial golden dawn style of magic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them will feel like, look, this Kabbalah thing isn't what I do. Yeah, right? too complicated. But it's yeah. too complicated. It's too intellectual. There are all these correspondences to learn. Mm. It smells Christian, mm -hmm. uh, which is because, right, the version That's of Kabbalah that we have is filtered through Christianity. Right. And so, like, what does this have to do with me? Why should I bother with it? Mm. And so for years, I've been telling people, you know, look, this, you don't have to do this. This is never a necessary thing to study. But if you choose to, it can be really rewarding and really enriching. And every now and then I would convince someone and they'd be like, okay, I'll give Kabbalah a try. What should I read first? And I'd go, oh, crap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. And then like, cause I was like, I was like, I guess I need to like memorize Hebrew letters. And then, you know, like, I mean, and I was trying, I did, I really tried. I like, I have flashcards for Hebrew yeah. letters. I mean, I, the, I'm, I'm, this is no joke how hard I was trying <laughs> to understand it. And then when your book, when I got your book, I was like, oh. Okay. And then now I feel like anything else I learn, I have the framework now to hang it on because of yeah. the way you described it. 
exactly. I, mean, I even did take a Kabbalah class once to, <laughs> from a tarot reader. So it wasn't even like, you know, in a Jewish perspective necessarily. And it, it is, it did feel very intellectual to me. And he would, there was a point where I do remember feeling very like inspired and open, like, oh my God, I think I have a, like a little doorway open. Yeah. But then it like quickly was like, oh, he, I, no. Yeah. That's how I was too, which is like when I read Stephen Hawking books where I like, I'll read the whole book and I'll have moments where I'm like, oh, and then like, I won't be able to explain them to anybody. It won't like come together yeah. in my mind in any way. You have this, this vision of the machinery of the universe and it's beautiful. And then you go to open your mouth and talk about it and it all falls out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like no, for I a minute, I knew. Thing real quick before, because it just keeps swapping in my mind and then I want you to check, check, but like. As you were talking about it, I just got this image of how, like, everything in the universe is in, like, a cell. Like, how we already have all, everything in the universe is in the tiniest thing already. Oh, and, yeah, like DNA, like the whole yeah. coding of everything within yes, one strand. Also just, like, even, like, in the tiniest thing, like, in an atom, like... And it feels somehow related to me, and I don't know yeah. why, but it feels yeah. like the tree of life yes. is like in us and in everything. No, I, I absolutely think so. You know, there, there is an old hermetic principle, you know, that which is above is like that which is below. Hmm. Um, and this idea that, you know, the, the big universe is a mirror image of what's going on inside of you and what's going on sort of at all levels of reality. There, there is this interconnection yeah. that governs it all and ties it all together. And one of the things I love about working with the tree of life is that it's a map that can be applied in various different contexts. So if you're doing work with the divine, you can understand it that way. But if you're doing sort of personal, you know, self-love work, and you're trying to understand yourself and connect with the parts of yourself that are alien or difficult to you, you can also use the tree of life in that way. And think about like, you know, what are, what are the parts, what are the energies on the tree of life that I struggle the most with? And how can I sort of come to terms with and, and come to love those parts of myself? Yeah. Uh, what I also love about that is just what, like the alien parts of ourselves, but are, in the universe too it's not just in us it's like in everything and so if we know that then we can love it because it's not personal it's like yeah. part of the whole universe no absolutely and it, it just seeing it that way is just so revolutionary yeah right it's it's the sort of thing that people say all the time and you hear it and you don't really internalize it. But when you stop and, and let yourself understand how significant that is, yeah. right? It, it can just change everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And then the way that the light moves through it too, just like for our listeners who don't know the Kabbalah yet, who haven't read Jack's book yet. Like I love too how it's like the light moves through like a lightning bolt, but it also moves, it moves in all different directions. It moves up, it moves down, it moves back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> it, it like you know spirals it's just it's fascinating is yeah. there any way you can tell us how is this too broad a question like how to work with it if 
Like, like, is there a way to be like, okay, I'm not liking this part of myself. How, how do you identify it? Oh yeah. Like an example maybe of how you, you use it in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I will, um, I'll, I'll do a personal example uh, of, of a spell that I have actually done. So I uh, have a troubled relationship with my father. Um, not the first person in history for that to be the case. <laughs> and a thing that I I had to work on a couple of years ago now um, is finding it in myself to sort of understand where he was coming from, to feel a certain level of compassion for him, um, but also sort of not to to lose my own sense of self-worth, right? Okay. To, to be able to say like, no, this behavior is is unacceptable okay. or inappropriate and i can feel compassion for you but still not roll over yeah and there are two um spirit on the tree of life that are their their names translate respectively as mercy and severity hmm. and the pillars uh, yes but yeah. but also there are specific spheres oh yeah okay life, right? uh chesed and gevura and their energies are, are exactly about that, right? About how do you how do you feel compassion? How do you give of yourself? How do you forgive uh, things that have hurt you or wronged you, um, or at least that you've perceived have wronged you? Uh, versus, you know, how do you hold a sense of accountability? How do you stand up for yourself? Uh, how do you how do you you know when is it not appropriate to bend over? And so what I ended up doing is I did a, a Kabbalistic spell for myself to help work on the, the interplay between those two spheres on the tree of life. So there's a particular path that connects them that has certain correspondences. It, it corresponds to a particular crystal and a particular color and a tarot card. And I used those symbols in designing this spell for myself. And I made a little charm bag that I carried with me to help carry that energy in for me so that I would be able to maintain that balance between mercy and severity. Mm. Alchemy. So you got like the crystals from each that represented each one, each sphere and... and, Exactly. That's awesome. That's a great way to work. Yeah, that's a really good example. I like to the... um, what I haven't looked at Kabbalah stuff for a minute. So the first two that go left and right, what it's like there's Malkut and then and, and then you have Netzach on the right yes. and Hod on the Netzach left. Netzach and Hod. Yes, right. So Netzach is like uh real feminine. And then Hod is well, so Netzach is like love and relationships, and then Hod is like scientific thinking kind of you know like and I feel like those to me are also really significant is remembering both of those like having structure having like the intellectual side of things and then also the like relationship connection like if there's not a balance between the intuition and the intellect then we start getting you know there are challenges there too and I feel like that's a that's a powerful one to me. I guess both the pillars, the left and the right pillar, and then finding like a middle is mm-hmm. just a kind of a, in general, like a helpful practice with Kabbalah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly it, right? Is we have in Kabbalah, you have so many pairings, so many things that are sort of twinned with each other, where you have mercy and severity, you have Netzach and Hod. So, you know, uh, 
we'll just call them sort of heartened head yeah. for our purposes. And I think in, in our ordinary lives, when we get so caught up in the way that we're living and we have obligations and we have, you know, things that we're thinking about too much, it's very easy to feel like some of these things are opposite and like they're mutually exclusive. Right? Yeah. It's, it's so easy to feel like you can't be loving and connected to other people if you're going to be rational and independent. Right, 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 right. And, and one thing that you can get out of working with the tree of life is this feeling of like, no, these things aren't opposites. These things go together and they feed each other. Yes. They and, create and, space for each other. Yeah. Exactly. And, and by cultivating the one, you can actually help to make the other one stronger. Yeah. This is literally, we answered a question about basically this just before in this episode because the person was trying wanted to help their brother but they felt they were either like just immersed in worry with him or would just shut off and yeah experience any love for like or just felt like they had to shut off all support and love so it's very like balancing that so would you recommend like a similar thing that you did how would you work with the tree of life in that way or would you yeah. Um, so I think depending on someone's practice, depending on someone's goals, right. there are a variety of ways to do it. One thing is potentially just to do a meditation, right? Just to, to work on meditating with the energy of a particular part of the tree that mm. you're struggling with, that you want to cultivate. Uh, so one thing I have in the book is, you know, for every chapter, I have meditations right. about, you know, here's here's how you can meditate on these concepts and on how they relate to each other um or you know someone if someone practices magic they could also do a spell uh, and once again to plug the book i have a whole chapter about how to do spells with please Kabbalah. plug the book That's yes funny. yes yeah, for a while but maybe you'll come yes. back again when it comes it, out yeah it, it doesn't come out until december um but it's you know uh well for one thing pre-orders are the lifeblood of a book uh oh, and well, uh, well um <laughs> be on top of that <laughs> yes no. everybody pre-order okay go on sorry <laughs> no that that's quite all right but so you know generally speaking when when you're doing magic when you're doing a spell you're identifying the thing that you want to achieve you're identifying the thing that you want to act on right where you're sending your magical power in order to achieve your desired result and then you're building some kind of a symbolic connection to that so that you can send power through it. Mm. And the great thing about Kabbalah is that you have this tree of life that's just loaded up the wazoo with symbols mm. that can help you build a connection to the thing that you're trying to achieve. Mm. And so, you know, I, I firmly believe that not every spell has to be Kabbalistic. Sometimes, yeah, you know, it's it's a tool like any other, right. and you don't use one tool for everything, right? You don't use a hammer to put a screw in. Right. But if it fits with the kind of work that you're trying to do, if it fits with the result you're trying to achieve, then you can use Kabbalistic symbolism as a shorthand for something like this. So in the case of, you know, trying to cultivate love for someone, um, Netzach, the sefirah that's associated most with feelings of love and connection, is connected to the number seven. And so you might load your spell up with the number of seven, right? You might make an affirmation and say it seven times in a row for seven days in a row. Or, you know, you could do things like that. You can use number symbolism. You can use color symbolism. 
There are various other levels of symbolism. There are certain animals that are associated where you might like draw a picture of a particular animal um, and use that as a focus for your spell. So there are all sorts of things, but the thing that I find that Kabbalah is very good for in magic is just loading up those symbolic connections. I love that because we don't, we're not just in our world. It's like we're so intellectually focused and like analytically focused. And this is really hitting it, like hitting what you want to achieve with, with, with magic, <laughs> but, but with these, with other realms, other energy realm, like pat symbols and ways to get in your subconscious and your energy field rather than just like thinking your way out of something it feels more subtle but it's really powerful yeah no absolutely right this is this is part of what we're all doing with magic with spirituality is we're trying to get out of our own heads yeah and kabbalah kabbalah you know at first glance because there are all these tables of correspondences it can look very intellectual it can look over rational but it also has this symbolic language that just speaks to you on a deep gut level and, and comes into you yeah like exactly. that's what i feel like even though i haven't looked at it for a while i feel like it's within me like that concept you know after having studied it to the extent that i did now i have this like structural framework of light <laughs> to mm -hmm. help me kind of like create balance you know yeah, yeah it's yeah. beautiful yeah, well, you know, when you do, when, like, the Merkaba meditation, which mm -hmm. we both have done, you can, you bring in the Tree of Life also at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and I have felt it that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's I, another balancing structure of light, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, right? The The basic meditation that I do for myself before any kind of magic or ritual, anything like that, is I'll just feel the tree of life in my own body yeah and i'll start at my feet and i'll work my way up through the crown of my head and then yeah. come back down right. and i'll just let that divine light flow in both directions right it's coming from the top down through me but it's also coming up through the earth and out the top of my head yeah that's and, amazing yeah and just letting yourself be sort of a conduit for that i think is really deeply powerful Okay. Well, also before we um, finish up too, we didn't ask you what your sun, moon, and rising. Yeah, <laughs> we want to know. So I am an Aries sun. Oh. With an Aquarius moon and a Scorpio rising. Ooh. My um, oldest child is a Scorpio rising, and I feel like I've been meeting a lot of Scorpio risings lately. That's that's intense and also makes sense. It's a me. good balance too. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, it's, the Scorpio rising is the only water in my whole chart. Oh, my so, friend Ted yeah. has a Scorpio rising. He's a Scorpio with a Scorpio rising. That's a lot. Which is why he's so <laughs> sexy. Yeah. <laughs> he is. I did look the other because this isn't weird at all, but I have both Tess and Ted in my um, <laughs> astrological charts. And I did look to see because you were talking about the eclipse that um, he's zero degrees Scorpio sun. Which oh, is, that he just, yeah, he's on the cusp. Yeah. That's intense because that's like the 
bringing it in. It's like, uh, a, yeah. like a real birthing energy. Yeah. When you're the first couple degrees. He is an intense man. But we are talking about Jack now. In- <laughs> and that is a really cool balance that you have. What? I just want to know what else you you're going to you're getting your PhD right now. I just want to know what else you're doing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm getting my PhD. I am working on a PhD in the history of philosophy working on 18th century German philosophy of science, which is very niche. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it pays the bills. Um, (laughs) Gives me a reason to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Wow. And before that, so you, how did you, was this like a detour, the Kabbalah, from what you do? So I grew up reading tarot cards. Um, I started reading tarot cards when I was maybe 11 years old, something like that. And sort of from tarot, uh, I, I worked my way into Kabbalah because the, the Golden Dawn uh, is sort of the origin of a lot of the divinatory meanings that most people use for tarot cards. And so I started looking into the history of tarot and I found this whole world of Kabbalah and, and magical Kabbalah and all of these correspondences. And then sort of on top of that, from Kabbalah, I then found my way into magical practice more broadly. I'm Wiccan now, uh, hence the book Kabbalah for Wiccans, uh, which sort of came out of this idea of, of bringing these two things together. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think um, it all sort of flowed very naturally. And it felt effortless the whole time that I was getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. But I look back and it was quite a winding and circuitous path that brought me to where I am now. Interesting. But there is a similarity because I feel like philosophy has that to that that need for patience, which is interesting that you're in Aries because both of those disciplines are so they really require patience, you know, to like learn all the details and all the interactions and, you know. Aries uh, is not known for patience. Right. No, exactly. well, and I am not I am not by nature a patient man. <laughs> oh, really the, uh, the Aquarius moon has saved me on multiple occasions. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting because my Mars is in Aries and I feel it very strongly. Like I really feel it you too. So is mine. Oh, oh. I have I have but, Sun, Mars, and Saturn all in Aries. Oh, oh wow. I wonder if the Scorpio rising helps though, because Ted is very meticulous. Like he can mm-hmm. just sit and just do one thing over and over and over and over for as long as it takes. So I mean, you, maybe you have a little bit of that. Yeah. You must. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With I this, know these career Scorpio, paths. I don't think so. You don't think that's why he can do that? It's such so like such well, a big right. part of I think Scorpio Scorpio and Aquarius are both fixed signs, right? And mm-hmm. there's there's this element of sort of stubbornness where like right. once I start something, I am going to finish it. Yeah. And that helps. And the depth sure. too. Like th- yeah. that willingness to go into the depth, I think, is mm-hmm. maybe lends itself to that kind of focus and patience. I'm an Aquarius sun, but I often feel that the Mars and Aries overrides the like my patience and finishing things like I have a lot of energy to start it and then it's like uh, I don't care if this ever (laughs) but you don't have that Jack yeah because we have your book now yes yes so I do want to mention too 
if you, because I know Wiccan is very specific, like you may be listening to this and think to yourself, I'm not Wiccan. So maybe that book's not for me. You are incorrect. This book is for you. This book is for anyone who wants to understand Kabbalah in, you know, the way it relates to magic. Yeah, it's yeah. magical as, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, there there definitely are parts of the book where I will talk about things that might be a little bit more Wicca specific about aspects of Wiccan ritual or things like that. But a lot of what this book is designed for is it's designed to be a Kabbalah book that is accessible to people who have tried opening other Kabbalah books and just found themselves totally at sea. Yeah, um, you succeeded. So yeah, thank this is, thank goodness, this is what we've needed. We've all needed this. And now in December, <laughs> well, we get in it. In December, we'll have it. <laughs> you, is this your first book? This is my first book. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Well, we've loved talking to you. So they we can order it, pre-order, you're saying? Yes, yeah. it is available and for pre-order. So you can go to uh, Amazon. You can go to bookshop.org. It's also available for pre-order from Llewellyn's website by now. And I'm sure it's probably also up for pre-order on Barnes & Noble or other major booksellers. So you can pre-order it online uh, and then they will send it to you in December when it comes out. It'll be like a surprise present. Like, oh, I forgot I got this. Now I get to understand Kamalaf yeah. in also 2022. Test- <laughs> so Tess, um, wait, I just want to say real quick that Tess has been talking about your book like to the point in the beginning when she was reading it this was like in january february it was i don't even remember when it was yeah and i was like i want this but why (laughs) tell me what this book is give me this book so anyway i still have to wait more i mean i do have the pdf so i can but i told you i don't like reading like that so i just can't wait for this book okay and so where else can people find you i know you have a blog also so So I have a blog, uh, which is jackofwandstarot.wordpress.com. And that is mostly a tarot blog. I do a lot of deck reviews. I do sort of short essays about perspectives on tarot cards. But I also talk a little bit about Kabbalah, witchcraft, and other magical topics. Um, I also have a YouTube channel that you can find me at, uh, just under my name, Jack Chanick. And I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. I don't have Instagram because I'm secretly geriatric and i i don't do well with technology <laughs> <laughs> well that's so great we're so excited you are here thanks for being here yeah thanks Thank again you so much for having me on this was really wonderful okay we hope you liked it yeah we think we probably did again we haven't spoken quite yet to jack but we look forward to it Yes, we can guess that we probably really loved it. Yeah. Okay, well, now it's time for... <clears throat> oh, my goodness. I'm going <laughs> to sing a night. <laughs> it's time for the energy report. Okay, I think next time I might mix it up. I feel like I'm doing it in a monotone. Okay, I'm not going to comment on my I song. mean, it was great. It's always great. <sighs> Thank you. Okay, so... <laughs> it was like such a diva moment. <laughs> I was just trying to gather my thoughts. Actually. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, wow. 
eclipse season, (laughs) (laughs) which Tess is riding through on roller skates. I just picture you on roller skates, fireworks around you. Yeah, like a disco ball. Yeah, the moon full, but somehow during the day, and you can see it right in front of you, (laughs) stars, shooting stars all around you. (laughs) But for many of us, it's not the case. Um, so the energy report is the trend that I feel into for the week ahead, as well as um, taking into account the week before a little bit from my clients and myself. So I will say that, you know, the energy is lifting this coming week for from the eclipse season. And it really is a time now where we can start to feel we might be feeling more into like, oh, I see that shooting star and I want to catch it and w- I'm going to do something with it. Like, like bringing in. A- yeah. <laughs> Tessa's face is like, I love what? It. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like it's happening, you know, <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to create stuff with this. Yeah. Um. So, and the thing about what I've noticed with eclipse season is it's like people have been getting these inspirations these sparks of inspirations but then it's just been so juxtaposed with the what hasn't been working um and so it's been hard to assimilate it so it will be easier to assimilate um but i i think the energy report this week is going to be real simple like if you want to dive deeper into it please you know sign up for my my just take my workshop where we'll be clearing out the old stuff like I said but another thing that you can do this time is to really I posted this on Instagram last week um if today's Monday um which or whatever after Monday um (laughs) (laughs) which is to stop chasing the things that are haven't been filling you stop going after what isn't working and really to just opening up to receive what your life really is in front of you and what's yeah. showing up in front of you and your intuition and like, oh my God, I want to, you know, just like look what's right in front of me, you know, and really receiving it. Um, That feels like a really nice way to to have this first week after the eclipse to be really noticing what you're bringing in and receiving it deeply and just reminding yourself, oh, I don't, I can let go of anything that doesn't serve me. Anything, and I'm going to stop in fact trying to figure it out. That's another thing. Welcoming wanting to figure it out and releasing. Can I let go even a little bit of wanting to figure it out? Yeah. So then, oh, and what's in front of me? Just this continual pivot of, receiving what's in front of you from either chasing what isn't yours or um, trying to figure out something that hasn't been working. Yeah. Because that just creates a <clears throat> bigger knot. So that it's a very simple energy report, but that is what I think is a good mantra this week to just open, can I open to receive what's already here in front of me? Can I be present for what's in front of me? And maybe that um, could be some pain. There might be some of that, too. I think, actually, to go back to me, you know how I've been doing the Louise class, it's over now. But I think that's part of why this eclipse season was what it was for me, too. Because I'm, like, actually present for the feelings in my body 
more where I haven't been. So there's been some buildup to what I haven't been feeling in my yeah. body. So it's been releasing. So some of that might happen for y'all too, where it's like, oh, I'm present here. And what is this feeling that I've been avoiding? Right. So just as much as you can in neutrality, be in neutrality and just feel, bring it into your heart, have compassion for it as opposed to merging with it. Yeah. Opening up to the moment. I've been talking about that a lot. Like in my class oh, I yeah. taught for Llewellyn and the web chat this week is like identifying with silence and space and remembering like to notice your breathing, to allow what's there, like that just over and over again. Then it's like if you're happy, if you're sad, if whatever mood you're in, it's okay. It's like surrounded yes. by presence, you know? Yeah. And I've really been noticing too like – what like this idea of of chasing something that isn't yours can look like things that we don't realize for instance it can look like rushing to get things done or trying to be really productive because you're oh, yeah. chase trying to chase this thing because you, you know? have like this underlying feeling that something isn't right you're not doing it right or you need something else in order to be okay like right and yeah. you're trying to chase like this idea of what success is or this right. idea of like oh if I do this then I'll then I'll be okay I'll be a good person or whatever what, yeah. or successful or, yeah or whatever it is um or even like hating our bodies like now in the, you know our uh, hemisphere it's it's summer and there's a lot of like oh I can't do this it's like chasing this idea I can't wear a swimsuit I can't you know whatever it is like this idea of like chasing after this thing that isn't your like this whatever stupid ideal body there's no such thing like yeah your body is perfect yeah. Your body's perfect. Here it is. Open yeah. up to it. This is what's here for you. Like that those are the kind of things we don't realize are chasing what isn't ours. Right. You know? Yeah, totally. So the more that you can just be, oh here I am though. Oh here I am. Yeah. I you love know? that. Yeah. Yeah. And because you know, we're all gonna die, as we mentioned many times <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. It's always good to remember, you guys. Yeah, because if you're going to die, which you are, you don't want to have spent, like, the, all this time going after something that wasn't no. yours. Yeah. You want to be here for what is. Yeah. yeah you're all, Could happen so anytime. much. That's right. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> for us, that's inspiring. We Other people, joy. they're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the, what's right here is so beautiful. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now it's time for practical magic. Okay, so this week it's summer solstice. Oh yes. Woohoo! I love summer solstice. Man, summer is just so pretty up in the Rocky Mountains. Mm. It's just you heard me complaining about winter going on forever. And now, I mean, butterflies, flowers, uh. running water. I mean, it's just really pretty. So it sounds like your summer is everybody else's spring, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it hot there? Well, it's hot for here, but we don't have air conditioning up here, up, way up here in the Rockies because it's wow. not, doesn't get <laughs> that hot, you know. Yeah, it gets so cool what is, every night. like, how hot is, does it get? I mean, I think, like, a real hot day up here in the summer would be, like, 77. Oh, my God. That's great. But, I mean, then just right down in Boulder, it's very hot. It's just, Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but because we're at a really high elevation. We're, like, yeah. over 8,000 feet. Wow. 
so um but the point is that yeah. <laughs> it's summer Sorry. solstice if you're in the southern hemisphere it's winter solstice both are just these beautiful portals beautiful portals where we celebrate the sun both the, both are times when we celebrate the sun the summer solstice is like magical high noon i can really feel that coming too it's like when the sun is at its pinnacle it's like it's like as if it's the full moon but it's the sun it's the full Mm. sun it's the longest day of the year so that is extremely magical it's a powerful day to watch the sunrise Mm. if you're not a morning person then you should get some sleep and not make yourself wake up super early you could always watch the sunset Mm. Uh, both are significant both are portals and you can empower crystals in the light of the midsummer sun so it's this sunday by the way okay so when it's summer solstice there's also always a paradox because it's the longest brightest day of the year and then it's also the time that the sun begins to wane and then winter solstice is the coldest, darkest time of the year. It's also the birth of the sun when the sun mm-hmm. begins to grow. So they're both just these really interesting, powerful, magical portals. You can feel it when you connect to the energy of the sun on these days. I just got such this image of <laughs> of of like how humans, you know, if we all just could embrace like all the subtleties of things like you're saying like it's the brightest day well i can see just like these humans being like well it's bright so it's always going to be bright look i see the sun that's what's in front of me but really there's like oh but it's also waning and there's all this other part to it and you know there's so much to what we can't see yes yeah i love that i um I, I feel like it is working with the cycles of the sun, of the seasons. It is such a beautiful affirmation of life, yeah. you know, all the different yeah. feelings and all the different experiences and just creating a space like a container to be open to all of those and to celebrate them even. Yes. And then so, it all changes. Yeah. It's always changing. Always yeah. changing. So um, at the midsummer, yeah, uh, wake up and watch the sunrise. Toast the sun is my favorite thing. You could do that with some magical friends or by yourself. Are you going to do that? Yeah. Yeah, my it's going to be my first coven gathering since since things have opened back up. So great. So yeah, we're gonna they're gonna come up here and we're gonna go to the reservoir by my house and watch the sunrise. Um, but so yeah, watch the sunrise, toast the sun with a beverage, offer that a beverage to the sun also. You can pour it on the earth afterwards. Um, and if you're in the southern hemisphere, celebrate the birth of the sun, light a candle, kind of just like feel that, feel the sun, the day the sun begins to grow. And then I also want to mention the Mercury Retrograde Challenge still going on oh, yeah. this week. This is the last week of it. So if you want to join, it's been that I think that's been part of why I've been feeling so great because it's just moving with that. Talk about yeah. moving with cycles. So you can find, you can start at any time. If you haven't started yet, go to testwhitehurst.com. I pinned it to the top of my blog so you can see the activities, just kind of simple activities for each day of Mercury Retrograde. And it's also on your Instagram. Yep. Yeah, that's been really, it is really good. I haven't been doing it every time, but um, but I have been doing a lot of it. 
Yeah, cool. I cleaned my car yesterday, which I haven't done in a long time. You cleaned it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that. you wouldn't think so, but uh, for me it was. I like didn't vacuum out- it. Oh, you did. You cleaned the outside of it. No, I cleaned the inside. Oh, okay. But I didn't vacuum it. Well, that's, that's all. great. Well, I'm not judging needs... that. Just do I know what you can. <laughs> <laughs> I know you wouldn't judge me, but I just meant you would be like, this is a job half done. Well, I don't know. <laughs> like sometimes. For sometimes yourself. I might not always vacuum my car. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, if you saw the state of my car, you wouldn't leave it like I that. I would be like, we need to vacuum this. Yeah. Yeah. If it was your car, I know you wouldn't say that to me. But, you know, we've had, we have animals and children. I mean, the children now are older, but they're not that old. And they're, they're not the, the cleanest. Yeah. They don't care about that. Um, okay. Well, housekeeping is mm-hmm. you can find me at highestlighthealing.com. You can, if you sign up for my newsletter, you can get some meditations there. Um, you can find out about classes, etc. Sign up for the waitlist for my inner child healing class. Um, and you can also find me at Instagram and Facebook at Highest Light Healing. And you can find me at um, on Instagram at Tess4444, on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, and on my website at TessWhitehurst.com. That's where you can also sign up for the Good Vibe Tribe waiting list. And you can find us at, oh, you can find me on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. And you can find us at MagicMondayPodcast.com. On Instagram at Magic Monday Podcast, on Facebook at Magic Monday Pod, and the Magic Monday Podcast listeners group. That's right. It's all true. Okay. So, what all right, so now we're going to pick you? our cards. Yeah, for the week, I'm picking from the Wisdom of the Oracle, which I haven't done in a long time. Oh, yeah. Colette Baron Reed. And I am picking from the Cosmic Dancer Oracle that I co wrote. That you can find at TessWhitehurst.com or Amazon. Yep. That's right. Okay. Let's see what we got here. I got reversed the Unfinished Symphony. Okay. So that means when unfinished business casts... Oh, boy. This is so telling. Okay. Sorry. When unfinished business casts a shadow over your life, it is a reminder that procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. It is not in your best interest to stall. Even stumbling forward is better than holding back. Don't overthink things or let yourself get distracted. Just tie up loose ends and deliver the results. Don't quit before the finish line. Spirit wants you to win. I feel like this is like what I was saying about like why I wanted to do my workshop, for instance, like we really want to clear up that stuff from the, the whatever we learned and get it in present time so we can be fully present for what's in front of us now. Mm-hmm. And I drew something that I feel like is kind of similar. So the yeah. card I drew is stretch and expand. Mm. Comfort can be a wonderful thing, but when we never stretch beyond our comfort zone, we limit our possibilities mm. and life becomes boring and stale. You might say that our comfort zone defines and holds in place that which limits our upward growth and forward movement. On the other hand, expanding our comfort zone allows us to bust through blocks of all varieties and experience the success, spontaneity, and fulfillment we desire. 
So it's like moving past resistance, expanding your perspective, um, moving with fluidity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think kind of thinking of regularly thinking of ways to move out of your comfort zone. Like lately I've been wanting to learn some new ways of writing, like Mm. kind of expand my writing practice. Like what do you mean? Like take some classes on how to maybe write some fiction, you know, just kind of like because I've been writing for a long time and yeah. I'd like to try some new things. And so finding ways, things, I think it's always inspiring to do things. Like when we started the podcast and we were like, we don't know how to do a podcast. (laughs) And it was like, we just kept showing up and figuring it out as we went. And it was so liberating. You know, now we know how to do it, but it was kind of uncomfortable when we started. And when you um, are in the present, like we've talked about, then you can get that information about where should I expand? Where do I want to expand? How do I want to show up in the world? Yeah. All right, everybody have a great from Jesus.